Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I am so glad you're here with me this week. This week is the end of college application acceptances. So my youngest daughter, Bailey, has been waiting for this day because today marks the end of all of the college acceptances for next year. And she applied to about 16 schools. And today will be the last day that she receives her final college acceptances. So it has been a very fun, exciting, exhausting, stressful process for both, you know, her as well as us, the parents. And part of the reason why it hasn't been as stressful as it could have been is because of my next guest who completely handholds you through the entire college admissions process. So I'm thrilled to introduce you to not only my friend, but my savior through the entire college process, Debbie Goldstein. Debbie has an incredible background, and for the past 10 years, Debbie has guided students and their families through the college admission and financial aid process which, like I said before, can be very stressful for both students and parents. And this comes from Debbie herself. I love her company mission. Her mission is to take the guesswork and the confusion and the frustration out of the admissions process. And for parents, her mission is simple. Don't go insane or broke sending your kid to college. So I'm so thrilled to have Debbie on today sharing her expertise her heart, and all of her wisdom with you, my listeners, because my wish is that everybody could hire Debbie to help them through the insane application process for college. And speaking of applications, our doors are open for our April 19th cohort of Women Leading Powerfully. We are taking applications. Go to our website, womenleadingpowerfully.com and apply for our 12-week group coaching program. You won't be disappointed. Women are having transformational results, finding jobs that they love, getting promoted, completely leaving careers that they hated, and finding new positions in companies that are meaningful and purposeful to them. And some of them are staying in jobs that they already had, but they are feeling so much happier, so much less stressed, and so much more fulfilled. So if you're looking for clarity and confidence and you want to do that in a small community of 12 to 15 like-minded, supportive, collaborative women, if you're looking to get unstuck, apply for the program. Again, womenleadingpowerfully.com. Doors are closing soon for our April cohort, so don't miss out. Now is your time to invest in yourself and make 2021 an epic year. So go to the website and apply now. And if you feel like you need a conversation with either myself or Lori Tab to get some more information, we're happy to jump on a call with you. So you can reach me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com. Happy to jump on a 30-minute call with you to discuss how this program might support you in moving forward in your career. I can't wait to hear from you. But now let's dive in and hear from Debbie Goldstein, the college planning process guru. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. 
I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Debbie, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so looking forward to our interview today and thank you for making the time. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I can tell you, you have fundamentally helped my daughter so much with the college planning process. You have made the entire process so seamless for her, for myself as a parent, and I'm thrilled to have you on today as parents are, you know, embarking on this college planning process, which can be so intimidating for both the student and the parent. And you have been an absolute lifesaver. So I'm so glad you were here to share all of your wisdom with my listeners and to give them some, some insights into the process and some things that they can walk away with today, because my podcast is always about turning insights into action. And so I'm thrilled that you're here to share your knowledge and your story with us. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. Well, perfect. So I would love for you just to start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your career history. Well, I'm a native of uh, Los Angeles. I'm a graduate of UCLA with a degree in economics. And I've only had a couple of careers in my life. And this has been my last one for the past 10 years. And it actually started with my two daughters. Uh, One is 31 right now and the other one is 28. But when they were going off to college, my first one in 2006 and then actually went to college in 2008, I started attending all these college knowledge nights at community centers, at the high schools, and no one talked about how to pay for college. (laughs) Exactly. And no one talked about the importance of the essays and the supplements. It was all very generic. And when my first daughter went off to college in 2008, I didn't know about all these forms I should have filled out for financial aid. I didn't understand the whole concept of, you know, having a hook for an essay, so to speak. And so it was when my second daughter started going off to college and she started in 2010, it really was a light bulb for me. There was a need for someone to understand the business of college. Mm -hmm. There was a need to understand not just getting your child into college, but how are we going to pay for it? And why would we spend time and money and energy and aggravation and frustration on completing all these applications, get accepted, and for a parent, no parent wants to do this, turn around and say, I'm sorry, I can't afford it. So I eliminate that. When I work with my families, I make sure that the admissions part is cohesive with the financial part. And that's what is unique about my practice. I don't only do college admissions. Yes, Uh, yes, yes, and yes. (laughs) Because um, I mean, you're exactly right. You know, I remember 
when, you know, I went to USC for my undergrad and I remember literally filling out a two page paper application. One of it was all of my information. And I think there was maybe two short paragraphs for essays and, you know, helping my oldest daughter through college for the first time. I went to that college night that was given by the local finance, you know, college planner. And I just left feeling so overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed by the entire process. And I realized, you know, I had done all this work to prep my kids for this moment of college. You know, I spent, sent them to private schools and here you spent all this entire journey. And then I realized, you know what? I don't want to get to this part of it and screw it up <laughs> because I, it became very clear to me very quickly that there was no way I was going to be an expert in it. And so absolutely wanted to hire a professional. And so thank goodness for people like you, specifically you, who is a professional who knows exactly how to guide parents through this process, because it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for the students and it's overwhelming for the parents. You know, when I started Savvy College Funding Solutions, I wrote my mission statement. And here it is. It was, it's very short. My mission statement is take the guesswork and the confusion and the frustration out of the admissions process for my students. And by doing this, I can help them go through this process without stress and get everything done when and how they're supposed to get it done. And then my goal for my families, for the parents, is I want to make sure that they don't go insane or broke. And that's my mission statement. <laughs> I love that mission statement. And it's so perfect. So Debbie, share with us the services that you offer specifically for the college planning process. You know, I'm on the tail end of it. My daughter's actually getting her acceptances right now, my youngest. So I've already have one in college. My youngest is almost there. Um, but for parents who are listening, my listeners who are have students that are maybe freshmen in high school or sophomores in high school, and they're starting to think about this, you know, talk to us about what the college planning process is and what services you offer. At Savvy College Funding, I like to start working with my students, ideally in their sophomore year. I don't want, I Again, this is my own practice. I don't feel that the uh, freshman, a ninth grader, needs to have the stress of where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Right. So I like to start them at the end of their sophomore year because that gives me time to really holistically look at my student. You know, is my student got a great academic profile, but maybe they're lacking in extracurricular activities or community service? And so I love to create personalized community service projects for all my kids. I think it's really important for students to give back to the community. And so every student that works with me does a community service project. And some of them, for example, are catered to what they love to do. I had a student at Calabasas High several years ago that loved to play chess. So we created a chess charity club and got money that way. I had another student that was unbelievable in math. We created a tutoring company. And actually it was, at, it was COVID proof because she got to continue doing it during COVID. So that's one part of it. 
And then when you start working with the student, I have a heart-centric practice. And I think it's really important to create an open line of communication to make sure that my students feel heard and respected. Mm. And every communication I have with them, even when they think it's just idle chit-chat, it's to cultivate this relationship with the student. Because as I cultivate that relationship, it allows me, when we get to the essays, to really understand my student. So that's some of the things that I do. I also think it's important to treat each student as an individual. No two students are alike. And I always like to tell my students, you are unique. And I know you do this, but I'm going to recommend you don't compare yourself to other students. I also think it's important to be candid, but kind. Mm-hmm. And that comes to the co- preparing a a balanced list of colleges. And what do I mean by a balanced list of colleges? Taking the academic profile of the student, taking the financial profile of the family, and then finding the best fits for the student academically, culturally, socially, geographically. And also, you know, the candid part is I'm not doing anyone a favor if I'm going to tell you you have a 3.2 and you're getting into an Ivy. So having courageous conversations with my students is not easy. However, I always tell my students, I am their most avid cheerleader (laughs) and I will stand by their side every step of the way. And I also think in creating that balanced list of colleges, having the most up-to-date, most current, accurate information to share with my students about every part of the admissions process is really important. And I have a saying, discuss, don't lecture. I'll leave the lecturing to the parents. And I also feel that I'm a curious person. And so I always challenge my students to be curious as well. And I always ask them the why. Well, why do you want to do this particular extracurricular activity? Why are we taking these classes next year? Why are we choosing this college? Why are we choosing this major? I really find that when I get my students engaged in the process, the outcome is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It just takes time. So starting in the 10th grade really allows me to see them through the summer between their sophomore and junior year, and then to really get going in their junior year. But I have a foundation to start working with them. And then once we go, we decide, okay, we're going to apply to these in-state UC schools or these out-of-state public schools or these in or out-of-state private colleges. And we really create a plan. Are we going to apply early decision, early action, rolling, regular, uh, everything that goes into determining that this is the right fit college? we have now down on paper. And now I'm a big planner and I'm really a proactive person. I hate waiting to the last minute to do anything. And any student that's ever worked with me knows I like to have things done literally days ahead. And so what we do is we plan our our action. What are we going to work on first? I don't believe in a shotgun approach. I like to work on one application For example, the UC, let's work on the UC application. It's a big, hairy application, Mm -hmm. but let's do it 
and let's finish it. And then we're going to move on to the common app application. Then we're going to move on to the, you know, college specific application. I found in the last 10 years that students really like this. And best of all, when they accomplish something and they feel that sense of accomplishment and joy, they're more excited to go on to the next big, hairy application. Yes. Yes. And and I can honestly tell you, I mean, that was an absolute huge key. I'm super lucky. You know, Bailey is very self-disciplined, but the great thing about it was not that I wasn't involved, but really the partnership was between you and Bailey to help her with her deadlines for all of the essays and for the revisions and for making sure that everything was, you know, you were planning months in advance. And the great thing about it, Bailey, you know, it was, it's always a stressful time for the students, right? Doing the essays and there's a lot of pressure on them. And there's a lot of pressure even in school during that time, you know, see, uh, junior year and the beginning of senior year. I mean, there's a lot of school pressure during that time. But the wonderful thing was, is we got to the end of application season and Bailey said, oh my gosh, mom, there's no way I could have done this without Debbie. I'm so far ahead of all of my friends because Debbie had me planning out months in advance. And, you know, I was already on my fifth or sixth revision of an essay when my friends were just starting. And so you took so much pressure off of her to have this overwhelming beast of these applications due at the very last minute where she had been doing them months in advance. And like I said, it was great for me as a parent, not that I needed that, but I'm, I'm thinking of another friend who I've referred you to, um, you know, her son needs some more guidance. Her son needs someone else besides mom, quote unquote, nagging about (laughs) getting your essay in because you really do like you, Bailey absolutely loved working with you. In fact, you had worked virtually the entire process for months on end. And Bailey refers to you as the queen. So you were Queen Debbie. (laughs) And um, she was so excited because we were having a social get together, um, a socially distant get together. And it was for adults only. And Bailey asked me if she could specifically come because she had to meet Debbie the Queen in person. And she just wanted to thank you so much for helping her because you had been so such a vital, you know, part of, and a partner for her in the entire process. So, you know, it really is incredible. And I guess my question is, and so you get kids, you know, through the application process, you get them with their essays. And then, you know, how do you help parents and children kind of have that discussion around financial aid and and Talk, talk about the financial aid process and how you help equip parents and students in that area of college planning. So here's my process at Savvy. I meet, first I want to meet with the student. I want to see if we're a good fit. Not everyone is a good fit with each other. And if I'm a good fit with someone like I was with Bailey, we can do amazing things. If the student doesn't feel comfortable with me, then I am the first one to say we shouldn't work together. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I do is I meet the student and I get an idea of the student's academic profile. And then I have a meeting with the parents and I talk to them about money, which is to a lot of people uncomfortable. And I get an idea of what is their financial profile? 
what can they really afford? And what can they afford knowing they're going to pay it for four years? So then when I have a clear idea of the academic profile, the student, I have a clear idea of the financial profile, the family, then I can choose those colleges that are within their budget. I also, when we're creating these balance, this balance list of colleges, can look at colleges and look at my student's academic profile. And through my proprietary software, I can tell from each school what they're eligible for, much more in detail than the actual school's website. Mm -hmm. And so I can say, well, you know, we have a, a 3.8. And if we go to this school, you're eligible for these type of merit-based aids. And that'll take $20,000 a year off of the cost of that particular college. So I know that would be a safe one for us to apply to. I don't know if they're going to get in. And ultimately, I don't know how much money the school is going to give them. Right. But the last 10 years, I have some idea. And so that the financial aid part's really important. And I mentioned this earlier. You don't want your kid to get into school and then say, I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So by working with the parents in the very beginning and having that courageous financial conversation, we eliminate that and we set everybody up for success and for a win-win proposition. And then it's my job to make sure that I know every single financial aid document that's required by the schools, by the state, by the federal government, and make sure that each and every single way we can pay less for college, we do it. And it's also preparing all of these forms. So, you know, having a degree in economics and spending almost 20 years in the financial industry, I know a thing or two about, you know, finances. And so when I look at a mortgage statement or a brokerage statement or insurance statement, tax return, I know what I'm looking at, which really does help my families. So, we have the student working on all of the college applications and essays. And then as in between, I am working with the family to tell them these are the schools we're applying to. These are the financial aid documents that are required. These are the deadlines mm -hmm. because a lot of families, I always say, miss the deadline. They burn the toast and then they come to me to scrape it off. <laughs> as opposed to regulating the toaster and getting a good piece of toast. I love that. So that is what I do from the financial aid. And then when we receive our award letters, it's my job to run it through my system, another financial aid proprietary system, and to make sure that they have been properly awarded. Uh, just this morning, I spoke with a parent um, who we had a create an appeal letter for the, the family. And guess what? The school somehow said, oh, sorry. Guess what? You're going to get $88,000 over four years. Wow. Right? Wow. Because I, I knew that the student had not had been eligible, but had not received the merit-based aid they were entitled to. Mm -hmm. So when we went back and wrote the appeal letter with verifiable documentation, the school said, yeah, we're going to do that. Um, last week, uh, I prepared three financial aid appeal letters. Two of them were successful. Uh, one family received an extra $12,000 a year, $48,000 richer over four years. Sounds right. good to me. 
Right. And the other family received $10,000 more a year just by having me write an appeal that I know would get that type of response from the school. So really understanding the whole college financial aid process is important. I belong to the National Association of Student Financial Aid Advisors, which is the same organization that college financial aid people belong to. So every day I get the same emails, the same information, the same conferences and webinars. So I really keep on top of that. And I'm also a member of the National Association of College Admissions Counselors. So I can keep on top of that. But I love combining the two. I think it just makes sense. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you are absolutely a power partner for both the student and the parents. And you bring all of your expertise into the process. And it's just, it's so clear on what a great job you do. And Bailey's towards the end of her college admissions phase. Uh, We're still waiting for a few acceptances. She did apply to a lot of schools, but she's actually gotten accepted to, at this point, 90% of the schools that she has applied to. And several of them, she one of them in particular, she got a hundred thousand dollars scholarship. Um, you know, she's gotten other merit scholarships from some of the schools she applied to. And that is in true testament to you and your efforts and your partnership with both her and ourselves. And we couldn't have done it without you. Well, I appreciate your kind words and I am humbled by them. However, (laughs) when you have such an exceptional student that's so engaged, this was, of course, this was going to be the outcome because she was so engaged and she, you know, she truly is exceptional. But what about the child that's not exceptional like Bailey, right? Believe it or not, they're great colleges for them. It's not just the hundred that you see on U.S. News. You know, there are 3,000 plus colleges in the United States. I had a conversation with a client of mine, uh, a mother yesterday, and uh, her son got into his top choice college, which doesn't always happen, Mm -hmm. but he did. And he received, uh, he too received $88,000 in over four years. And she said to me, but Debbie, that college isn't as prestigious as these other colleges that he applied to. And I said, well, let's look at this. Let's talk about this. He loves this college. He's, it was his top choice. He says it's the perfect fit and they're giving you $88,000 or go to another college that has a lower acceptance rate and not be happy and not get 88,000. And she said, well, I guess when you put it that way, I guess it makes sense. It's, there are so many great colleges that kids don't know about. And whenever I work with them, we start looking at what they're interested in. I have a column, interested, not interested. And yeah, this is where I want to go. And I always tell my kids when we're reviewing the colleges, I want to know why that college ended up in the not interested list. You know, sometimes knowing what students really don't want and what parents really don't want really helps me be better at finding what the student and the family really wants. So that's how I approach that. No, and I think that's great. It was actually going to be my next question is, you know, how do you really find a perfect college fit for the student and for the parent? And 
you know, I, I think what you're saying is so important. You know, my experience at USC, and I think this will surprise a lot of people, but it wasn't that great. It wasn't a great cultural fit for me. I had a great education. I'm forever grateful for the education I got, but culturally it wasn't a great fit for me. Um, I didn't tour a lot of colleges and because of my experience, I sent my oldest daughter on a college tour that the school provided. They toured like 16 colleges or something like that on the East coast. And then we did an East coast tour. We did an up and down the West coast tour of a lot of colleges because I wanted to make sure that when my kids stepped foot on that campus for the first day of school, that first of all, it wasn't their first time on campus. And secondly, that they had, they, they knew that it was the right fit for them. You know, like, do you want to be in a big college or a small college? Do you want it to be urban or suburban? Do you want it to be, you know, have a lot of school spirit or do you want it to be, you know, kind of granola or, you know, I mean, some, <laughs> some of these different aspects that are so important, right? So I guess, would you mind sharing just a little bit more about how you find that perfect fit for students? And you, you know, you bring up a good point. I, I was very blessed that both my kids were exceptional students, but you know, what about that parent who is listening, who says, you know what, my kid's an average student. And, you know, they may or may not be involved in school activities. You know, what do you say to that parent about finding a good fit for for their student? So finding a good fit involves a lot of different things that, that I mentioned before. In re- but the foundation of it is to really understand the student. What is their academic profile? Because if you're a 3.0 student, and for some bizarre reason, you get into University of Pennsylvania, you're going to be very unhappy and you're not going to do well. Mm-hmm. So I always tell my kids, be careful what you wish for, because these schools are hard and you're going to be studying, and maybe doing a little crying. So spending time with a student, having those courageous conversations of you're a 3.2, 3.3 student. Let me show you all these colleges that are within the geographical area you want to go to, are within the financial parameters that your family can afford, that have not only your first choice of major, but because the average student changes their mind three times before they commit, we have alternative majors. Let me show you those colleges. Mm-hmm. I've been to so many of them. I can say, let me tell you what it's like. Let me tell you what's outside of it. Let me tell you about having to take, you know, one plane and then drive two hours, all those different things. And you, f- I find when I'm talking to the student about the individual colleges, the pros and cons of each one, they start figuring out what they like and what they don't like. I always say create a balanced list of colleges. I think if you speak to any college admissions counselor, they'll tell you this. Yeah. Because if you're going to have a list with all Ivies, you know what? We're not setting the student up for success because, you know, they have a 5% chance of getting in. But if we put some other, if we have, okay, you you dreamed of going to college X, Y, and Z. All right. Let's leave those applications for last because they are really long, really complicated, and the essays and supplements take a lot of time and energy. Let's work on all the colleges first that we think we have a good chance of getting into. And then we'll work our way to the ones that we know are a real stretch. And Natalie, 
This is what I have found year after year. By doing it that way, by the time we've completed our, you know, safety or target or reaches, whatever you want to call them, and we get to the real reach colleges, sometimes they go, you know what? I don't need to go to that college. They've learned so much from me about these other colleges that they go, oh, wow, I had no idea something like this existed. This is awesome. No, I don't need to apply to fill in X, Y, or Z. So working with an average kid is important. Yeah. And they have, and by the way, average kids sometimes go off to college and become extraordinary, extraordinarily successful. Exactly. Just because you're average in high school, I always say it it doesn't matter what college you go to. It matters what you make of the college you go to. And I always use, you know, my both my daughters as examples. You know, as a sole parent, sole provider. I mean, I had two kids that overlapped and I had to put through college. And my younger daughter went to Florida, excuse me, my older daughter went to Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida because they had the third best program in the country for what she wanted to do. And basically they gave us so much money that, I mean, she was going, she was going to definitely go to Florida state. But when it came to grad school, she graduated in 2019 from Stanford. Mm -hmm. So my younger daughter who went to Santa Monica community college for two years, because I could not afford to have both of them overlap in a four-year college. And she went to Santa Monica City College. And I said, I'll pay for any other college when you you know, get in. And she then matriculated into USC, where she got an outstanding education. And she walked right outside from USC into a six-figure job with Google. So where you start out doesn't really matter. It's where you end up that matters. And so if I have families there in students that say, well, you know, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, get a PhD. I always say, let's find the best, least expensive undergraduate. Because if we want to spend our time, our money on the graduate school, that's the final diploma. No one really cares where you went to undergraduate. And I know if you're going into finance or law, yes, they do care. I understand that. But I know incredibly successful people, students I started out with at community colleges and state colleges that are literally making a half a million dollars a year now and are very happy. So working with a student and really understanding them and back to my heart centric, really getting to know them and make that investment of your time and energy is what produces really good fit colleges. I love it. I love it. And one of the questions I have for you is, you know, there's so much pressure on these kids in high school. And part of that pressure is to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. (laughs) So you can choose the college that is the best fit for you. And so what do you say to the student who, by the way, it's very normal not to know what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're a junior (laughs) or a senior in, in high school? But what do you say to that student or to their parents who, you know, they want to go to, they know that they want to go to college, but they have, they really don't know what they want to do. And so what do you say to that student? Well, uh, first of all, I say there is no problem in applying to a college undecided. Many people think that there's a myth 
that if you apply undecided, it lowers your chance of acceptance. It's just not true. So what do I say to parents and children that are just average? I say, let's work on your strengths. Let's really look at what your strengths are and let's pull those out. I'll give you an example. I had a student with a 3.1 and wasn't taking the SAT or ACT, but he was an unbelievably intelligent you know, young man. And in working with him, I found out two things. He was an avid photographer and bird watcher. Wow. Which is really unusual. Right. And I was, you know, again, he thought we were having idle chit chat and I'm taking all these notes. And so fast forward several months, we're getting ready to write. And I said, I want to, I want to write about you photographing birds. And he was like, Oh, Debbie, I can't get to college with that. I went, trust me. I know who my audience is. I know these colleges. I know what they want. And lo and behold, with a 3.1 and no SAT or ACT, he got into seven out of the 12 colleges and even got married based state at two of them, which really blew my mind. Wow. So it's really, it's, it's taking the time to be invested in the student and be invested in the family. That's what I think really makes for a successful relationship and finding that right fit for the student and for the family. I always say, uh, if your parents tell you something, they're nagging. If I tell you something, it's coaching. <laughs> That's why we hire you, Debbie. <laughs> right? That's why because parents get, hire you. <laughs> they get frustrated mm-hmm. and they're stressed out. You know, all these kids are stressed out. So when they come to me, first and foremost, I want to take the stress out of it. Mm-hmm. You can go through the admissions process. You can go through the financial aid process. And if you know what you're doing and you have a plan and you're proactive, you can be very successful. Mm-hmm. Yep, I absolutely agree. So you started out by saying that your work is very heart centered, and it absolutely is. It, that's why we hired you um, to help us with Bailey. I would love for you to share with us some of the pro bono work. I've been privy to you sharing that with me personally. And so I would love for you to share with my listeners some of the work that you've been doing because it's so amazing and so powerful. And I would I would just love for, for you to share it. Oh, thank you. So every year I take on a maximum of four pro bono students. Uh, they're all female. I own that. I feel it's it's important to give females a little extra because of all the inequalities. And so I do concentrate on females. Um, and I concentrate on truly those people that are have the potential to be high achieving and are really underrepresented. I especially work with girls that are homeless, girls that have been uh, rescued from sex trafficking rings. And show these girls, even if they're already 20 or 21 or 22, we can get you at your GED. We can get you in community college. We can get you into a state college. We can get you into a UC. If you have faith in me, I know how to get you there. And even when I'm talking to you about this, I I get goosebumps because to be able to take a young person that thinks they have no future. And to show them they have a future is one of the best gifts 
I could ever receive. I get incredible, as you can tell, I get incredible enjoyment and fulfillment every time I see one of these kids graduate. One's going on to veterinarian school. So that's what I do. Uh, females, top four year, mostly those are the two groups that I work with. Oh, I absolutely love that. And it's just, it, it, it really is, it just speaks so, it speaks volumes to who you are, and not only what you do, but just literally who you are and how you help people. So I am, um, thank you for sharing it. And thank you for doing the work that you do because, um, these women need you and I'm, I'm grateful you are, you truly re- exemplify, you know, women leading powerfully, which is what our program is all about and, um, helping other women lead powerfully. Um, by giving them the extra boost that they need to get started in their in their career in their life, so so thank you, Debbie. I appreciate it. Um, any last words of wisdom for students or parents, you know, listening to this podcast, um, embarking on the college planning process? Yeah, I do have some words of win- wisdom, especially because the college admissions and financial aid landscape has changed so dramatically due to COVID. And one of the big changes is many, most of the colleges being test optional, meaning that if you want to submit a score, you can, but if you don't submit a score, it will not be held against you in the application process. But if there, this is what I want to tell parents, if you have a student that really is like a Bailey, you know, going to apply to Ivies and the best UCs and so forth. You taking the SAT or ACT is going to help them. It will enhance their application. However, if you have a a child that just isn't a great test taker or just has such anxiety about taking tests that it's going to compromise their other successes in school, you know, you have to make the determination if you're going to have your student go through that prep process or not. And the other thing I want parents to know is because of this change in landscape, so many more kids are applying to schools. UCLA had 168,000 freshmen and transfer students apply. That was up about just under 25% more. Wow. Uh, I can go on and on about every single school and what's happened. And just know that the competition's going to get harder. And so your applications have to be smarter and you have to know your student and listen to them and know what's right for them. That's my advice to parents. Forget about the prestige. Just think about who your kid is and where you, where you all feel you're going to be happy. In the end, those kids that are happy in college do very well and graduate in four years, which Let me just take you back to financial aid for a moment. The average student's going to take five and a half years to graduate in a four-year program. We we no longer have the federal loans that we can get. We no longer have the federal grants we can get. It costs you a lot more money, and they're losing potential income. So when I work with my students, I really try to set them up and their families up to put them in schools that we really believe that they're going to graduate in four years. So last piece of advice, don't get hung up on comparing your child to everyone else. Each child is unique. 
and each child will end up at the college they're really supposed to go to. I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for sharing that. You know, my oldest daughter, Hannah, she applied to a lot of different colleges. Some she got into, some she didn't. Um, but the top one that she really wanted to go to was Berkeley. And she actually didn't get accepted there. And um, she didn't even know about University of San Diego until the very last minute. And she applied. A teacher had told her about it at her high school. And we went down to San Diego to go tour San Diego State and UC San Diego. And we just, because it happened to be in the area and her teacher had told her about the school, we toured University of San Diego, stepped on campus. She absolutely fell in love with it. And like I said, she was, you know, she applied because she liked the campus. She didn't really know that much about it at the time, but learned, the more she learned, the more she learned that it was a really great fit for her because she is very um, heavy into social justice and they have a huge social justice um, school there and program. And so, like I said, she was really disappointed when she didn't get into her top school. She did get accepted to USD. USD also gave a bunch of money and um, both merit and financial aid to her. And now she looks at that situation and she's like, oh my gosh, I landed exactly where I was supposed to be. <laughs> and all of her friends that applied to schools, they all landed exactly where they were supposed to be too. So I really do believe that. I do believe that if you really, you know, take the time to understand your child um, and work with them and really understand what's important to them, that they really do, they do land exactly where they're supposed to be. So one last fun question um, as we end. Deb, what is your superpower? I I just like to ask these fun questions. It's a fun way to kind of close out the interview. I'm a really good listener. Amen. You are. And Debbie, I can't thank you enough for not only being here today, but helping Bailey through the college planning process. You have been a godsend. Um, and so for other parents who are listening to this, who are listening to all of your expertise and as they're as blown away as I was, um, you know, with your expertise and having the help that they're probably dying to have through the college planning process, how can they get a hold of you? Well, the name of my practice is Savvy College Funding Solutions. And if you want to reach me directly, you can email me at Debbie, D E B B I E at SavvyCollegeFunding.com, or you can call me at 888-305-1441. If you do any of those two, uh, I will get back to you by the end of the day. Perfect. And I will have all of that in the show notes for my listeners so they can reach out in case they're driving and uh, can't take down the information, all of your contact information. And so how does it typically work? Does a does a parent, you know, call you for a consultation and then, you know, where does it go from there? A parent will call me and we'll have a we'll have a conversation. And through that conversation, I can then tell them I I feel that my services would be of value to, you know, their child or to them. And if we establish that they could be of value, the next step is for me to just have a casual meeting with the child to make sure that we're, as I mentioned before, a good fit. And once we establish that we're a good fit, I set up an appointment and we start from the very beginning, you know, going over their transcripts, 
you know, the academic profile, the extracurricular profile. And then we start working together to see where do we need to fill in? What are we missing? You know, college admissions is like this big puzzle. And the GPA and all those things are all of the, the hard factors. But the soft factors become so much more important now that we need to know, are we lacking in any of the soft factors? And if we are, what are we going to do? And so that's one of the reasons I like to start with kids at the end of their sophomore year, because it gives us time to plan. Colleges really care what you do in the summer when you're not in school. They really care and they look at that. So I want to make sure that we're doing those things that the student really likes, because if they like it, they'll be engaged in it. If they don't like it, they're not going to do it. So I really make an effort to find, to have them collaborate with me to come up with something that really is distinctive to them. And then as, and then I meet with the parents for the financial part of it. So when I start working with the student in creating, you know, this list of colleges, we all have very clear ideas and boundaries of what we're looking at and what we're working on. You know, again, as a, as a sole parent and sole provider, I have the utmost respect for people and, and their money. And I always tell my kids, if I tell you, you can do this on your own, do it on your own and save your parents money. So I'm a big believer to be as cost effective as I can, because I think that's important. And I think that once I've established that relationship with the student, and we start working together, it just all kind of flows. It just, if it's the right fit for me and the student, it has a natural, organic flow to the relationship. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Debbie, thank you for being on today. Thank you for sharing so much value on this podcast and information for my listeners who are going through this process or maybe starting to go through this process. Like I said, I'll leave your information in the show notes. Appreciate you being here and taking the time. And again, thank you for all of your help with my daughter in going through this process. We couldn't have done it without you. And I'm so grateful. Natalie, first of all, thank you for inviting me on your podcast. But most importantly, thank you for the privilege of working with Bailey. I, I, I am always so amazed, impressed, and in awe of these students. And Bailey is one of those that you just say she's a poster child. <laughs> you know, she was my, she was, I have two of them, one in Michigan and Bailey. Those are my two poster <laughs> children for the year. And so thank you. I really do take it seriously when parents put their trust in me to work with their kids. So thank you for the privilege of working with Bailey. Thank you, Debbie. I'm very proud of her. And I appreciate you being here today. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.